When your ideal customer's kids are begging every night to read your book, you've won. At Dinosaur House, we turn industry leaders into kids' book authors. We don't do it because it's a super fun thing to do, although it is. We do it because it's highly strategic. Imagine if every night your customers are being asked by their kids to read a book that your company made. Talk about brand affinity. You're helping your customers connect deeply with the most important thing in their lives, their kids, over something that they are passionate about that has to do with your industry. If you want to have a conversation with us about how your brand could become the author of a kid's book, just hit us up, dinosaurhouse.com. Hit the little button that says schedule a story design call. And we'll have a jam session together on just what your company's kids book could and should be. Hi there, this is Andrew Horn. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Tribute.co, and you are listening to The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Andrew Horn. Andrew, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. So excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. So before we get into uh, what I want to talk about, um, if you could just give our listeners some context on your business. So as in like, how does your business work? What is it that you sell to who? And how did you start it? Totally. Well, yeah, I have several businesses at this point, but the one that takes up most of my energy and that I've been working on for the longest is a company called Tribute.co. That's .co. And so uh, the best way to understand our business is to share a quick story, which is on my 28th birthday, walked into my apartment. My wife decided that she was going to surprise me with a video montage of 21 of my closest friends and family members who had all submitted a one minute video telling me why they love me. She compiled those together, sat me in the back of the room. I started watching this video. Within a minute, I was bawling my eyes out because it was the best gift I'd ever received in my entire life come out of that experience and I say, how did you do this? This is the best thing I've ever received. She just looks back at me and she said, well, it really sucked. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, it took 20 hours and emailing people hundreds of times, like herding cats. And so I was like, wait a second. So the only reason that more people don't receive this gift is because of how difficult it is to create. I started a couple of companies before that. I Googled group video maker, collaborative video montage nothing. This is eight mm. years ago. So video is still the wild west at that point. Um, so I just set off on this mission to share that experience of what I had received, what brought me to tears in the back of that room with uh, as many people as I could. And what started as a you know little mission to, to spread that joy has grown into this beautiful movement. We've created a whole industry. We've got a bunch of competitors now. We were in the Inc. 500 last year. We've given over 5 million of these videos. And so um, it's really this, this fundamental mission to spread gratitude and human connection in the world and using technology to, to truly bring us together in meaningful ways. I've received one of those gifts before, not, not with tribute.co. I didn't know that tribute.co existed back then. Um, I don't think my friends knew. Um, I've been part of giving that as a gift and it's really amazing because it is one of the best gifts that you can give somebody. I've done like a, like a physical version of that before where I just had a bunch of people um, say what they loved about a friend and then put them, I made them all magnets that stick on the mm -hmm. fridge, but it's a, it's an amazing gift to give somebody that's just like, here's what your friends think about you. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's, I couldn't agree more. We call it the most meaningful gift on earth. Yeah. When you, um, 
when you so when you got this gift from your wife um did uh you said that you had started several other companies before what was your uh, entrepreneurial journey like like what had you done before this yeah totally i mean my my first real thing that i put my energy into was nightlife promoting <laughs> was uh when i was not old enough to do it i was uh getting people to go to nightclubs and bars and getting paid to do it and spent a lot of energy chasing women and money and realized at a very young age that i was very unsatisfied unfulfilled and insecure about myself and really this was just a way for me to kind of numb out of the the kind of pain and sadness that I was experiencing on the inside. And so I started to look for something more meaningful and I found it in service. Um, I, I started working with a nonprofit called Dreams for Kids uh, that does adaptive athletics and, and works with underprivileged youth. And um, it was in my work supporting young people with disabilities to play sports. I was an athlete growing up that I looked back on my time there and I realized that it was the first extended period of time where I really felt good about myself. And so when I graduated from college and I didn't know what I was going to do, I just thought to myself, well, there's this one thing you've done that makes you feel good about yourself. Why wouldn't you just do more of that? And so that led me to start my first organization, which was a children's nonprofit doing adaptive athletics for young people with uh, disabilities in DC. We grew that to become one of the premier adaptive providers in the city that uh, led me into bigger questions about how can I uh, solve larger problems and not just my need to give. And we turned uh, that into a new business called Ability List, which was like a modernized Craigslist for people with disabilities. Around this time, I also started to really engage with my deep down passion and curiosity around communication and interpersonal dynamics. I had dealt with a great deal of bullying growing up in Hawaii, and I felt very, very shy, very introverted, like oftentimes lacked a lot of the self-confidence to exist in the types of spaces that I wanted to, which were high-level entrepreneurial conferences, which is speaking on a stage to people. And so I started to not only study these things more deeply, but I actually started to speak about them, to write about them. And so around that time as well, I started to speak professionally and, uh, and do live trainings and seminars and workshops and retreats. And so in addition to the businesses, I'm also uh, you know, a certified coach and a strategic communications trainer and, and professional speaker. And so I get to do all sorts of fun workshops and, and live events in that arena as well. And so those are the main things that I was working on as I worked my way up to tribute. And then I have a fun fashion label that I run on the side called Holy Shit, We're Alive, which is basically how do we wear garments that remind us of this foundational sentiment of gratitude, which is like, hey, before you get pissed off at anybody, before you go do something, just take a moment to just realize you're alive. Like you could not be, but you are. Yeah. You're alive. Yeah. You're here. How sweet is that? So yeah. that's what I have going on. Man, that's awesome. So much that I could dig in into in that. And I want to. Um, one thing that you said, I know that a lot of people that are in my network, they are trying to make the whole like coach and retreat leader speaker thing work do you have any like advice of anything that you figured out that's worked really well in making that kind of career work yeah i mean you know i i you're always going to be if you're growing the one thing that i would just reaffirm if you are growing you are always going to be doing things that feel like they are out of the range of what you're capable of doing and so to embrace that, if you want to step out into the realm of leading workshops, of training, whatever that might be, start by doing it for free for the people that you care about, 
right? And that's that's honestly like what I would do is I would just basically, when I wanted to become a professional speaker, I would just synthesize, here's what I want to talk about. And I would start doing it for free in schools. And then it got to a point where I had videos and I had testimonials. And now at that point, I'm like, wow, like there's a tangible impact that I have here. And so I think that one of the easiest ways to get going is just to remember that like, you are not necessarily what you do for your job. You are what you do with your free time. And while you're starting off, like don't be above doing things for free to build up a real foundation of like validation of other people showing like, hey, like this really works. And also getting your craft to a point where it's having the desired impact that you want. And then also it's like invest in training the same way that the best athletes on the planet are all being coached, you know, whether it's by a, a team or by an individual. And so like coaches have been instrumental in my own development and understanding how to work with other people. And so if you want to coach, if you want to speak, allow yourself to actually have those, those people in your life. Like if you, if you're working with a coach and you say, Hey, who's your coach? And they say, nobody, then why would you pay someone who's doing something that they're not even doing themselves? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so getting back to, you know, your, your wife had just given you this awesome gift and you are researching the space and seeing like, Oh, this doesn't exist. Like nobody's put the solution together. Um, what, what, what was the hardest thing or what were some of the hardest things about getting this business off the ground? And what have been some of the hardest things that you've had to try to figure out since then? Oh man, I mean, so much. It's, there's, a, there's a famous saying that says it takes you know, five years to be an overnight success. And that's true for us. It's last year we were in 500, but um, hardest moment for me was probably 2018 where I have a, a new son in my life. So does my co-founder. The business is making money, but we're, we're fairly flat in terms of growth. And we just realized like, hey, like we can no longer sustain ourselves on these small startup salaries. Like we have to build families. We have to start, you know, taking that very seriously to, to honor that responsibility. And so we had to make this tough decision of what do we do with the company? Do we sunset it or do we build a skeleton team to keep this thing afloat while we work on it on our free time without really getting paid? And so for two years, from 2018 to 2020, that's how the company was running. It was a five-person company. My co-founder and I were working really for free in our free time just to sustain it while we were working on something else that we thought could really boost the company up, uh, a new product. And then lo and behold, 2020, the world shuts down. No one can do birthdays. No one can do weddings, graduations mm. because of COVID. And that was the cultural event that just shed a massive light on this service, why it mattered. And then once we had that initial hit, it just started to carry it because of the virality of the product. So uh, so the hardest moments were just sustaining when it, it was not working. And I think that the reason that I pinpoint that moment is really to shed a light on the value, not even the value, but like the fundamental importance of purpose. And that's what your podcast is, is about, is about purpose. And ultimately, like why purpose is so important is because if you are going to do something significant in the world, there are going to be challenges. You are going to encounter hard shit. And if you are going to find the energy, the willpower to endure, to make it through those things, the most sustainable source of energy that we have in the planet is purpose is truly believing in something. And Rory and I were not here to build a company to make millions of dollars. Like certainly that would be a nice result that I would not be opposed to, but we're doing this because like, I know that this single act can fundamentally connect and transform the way that communities connect with each other, that 
showing people how technology can be used in meaningful ways to help people to share meaningful dialogue is really important. And so like this sense of purpose and contribution was so important for allowing us to sustain those challenging moments of which we've gone through many over eight years. Well, that's a great segue into purpose. I started this podcast because I wanted to ask purpose-driven entrepreneurs what it is they're really living their life for. So when you think about a big question like either, what do you want to be remembered for when you die? Or what do you feel like you're really living your life for, both as an entrepreneur and personally, uh, what jumps out to you is most important? Um, so I, I always ask people, you know, when I, I think that a helpful distillation of purpose is oftentimes thinking about contribution. Uh, and, and my definition of purpose is, uh, it is the commitment to the service of something grander than the self. So purpose to me is the commitment to the service of something grander than the self. There's a transcendent quality to it. And um, when I think about contribution, it inherently implies that you are putting energy into something else. And so oftentimes purpose can be ambiguous and hard for people to define. But when you think about contribution, what it's really saying to people is how do you want to help? Who do you want to help? What ideas are important to you? What communities matter? What causes are there? And so, you know, I think that that is, that is fundamentally like a helpful way to think about it. And for me, everything comes down to human connection. And the reason that it comes down to that for me, I think is because I was so starved for it when I was growing up. It's growing up in Hawaii as like a bullied Howley kid or kind of like ostracized white kid in public schools. Like I, I just felt what it was like to be lonely, to be ostracized, to not belong, to not have community. And it hurt, man, it was not fun. It's really hard to, to operate and to thrive without community, without connection. And now more than ever, you know, you have 50% of uh, millennials identifying as lonely. You have political polarization happening at, at rates that we've never seen before in human history. And that's only increasing. And so uh, fundamentally, like my mission and why I think I'm really here is to build things such as technology to create experiences and tools. These are things like communication frameworks and, and things like that, that help people to communicate and connect. And I think that those two things, communication and connection, um, because every meaningful connection that you have in your life starts with a conversation. It's that words are the primary mechanism that we use to facilitate new and deeper relationship. And I think that I have not only this insatiable curiosity for it that I want to continue learning about it, but over time have developed a real skill to, to express myself in ways that are meaningful, that can do big ideas justice. And so, and so that's, that's primarily like why I'm here is to, is to do that. And honestly, like as a, the older that I get, I become more clear that I just want to be loving. That I, if I am clued into that at all times, like there's just never anything better that I can do than be loving. If someone has pissed me off, if someone has done something objectively wrong, if I can just be an anchor for loving on the planet in whatever form that takes, that that's going to be a good thing. That's going to be probably the best way that I can be and the biggest way that I can support someone is just to be loving all the time. And so that's less tangible, if you will. But in a way, in the older that I get, it becomes more and more clear that that's just one of the most important reasons that I'm here. Yeah. You've hit a certain level of success, like Inc. 5000 list. Was it, you say Inc. 5000 or Inc. 500? 
500 baby 256 oh, nice. okay yeah so so that is a major marker of success do you feel like it's been harder to uncover for yourself personally your purpose before hitting that level of success do you think it's harder to do that after or do you think it's kind of the same no purpose purpose it's a good question and purpose is something that i uncovered very early on and i discovered purpose because i needed to i just could not motivate without it i didn't give a shit about being an executive recruiter when i was 21 it's like i just couldn't motivate myself to do anything without purpose so it's like yeah. it was literally this saving grace where i and and i've been fortunate since that day where I connected with it at an early age and I connected with that energy where it's not like it was easy for me. Like I wasn't, when I started my first organization, I was working from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and started my nonprofit from 6 p.m. to 12 a.m., three or four nights a week, right? Where did I get that extra energy from? Because I had purpose, because I was helping people. And that's the thing, like whatever your side hustle is and like wherever you think that you don't have time, it's like you may not have as much time as you want, but you have some time because you're watching Netflix, because you're on Instagram. So whether it's 30 minutes a week or whether it's three hours a week, you definitely have some time and having purpose gives you more energy. What I'll be completely transparent about is that like what I did get from this is like, there's a piece of validation where I have felt confident in my ability to build business and to create value externally in the world. And so this marker of, that actually happening of seeing people acknowledge this, of seeing the financial returns of it. You know, there is a level of confidence that comes with that because what I know my, my capabilities to be, what I know my potential as professionally and as an earner are starting to become more clear externally. So there's confidence with that. But at the same time, like I, I still had purpose this entire time. I still had a reason for existing. I still had a reason for pushing myself. And so, you know, while the, the external validation and success is just nice, but if it never happened, if I never got E500, if tribute went bust, like I would still look back at the past five years and say, fuck, look how much I learned, look how many people's lives I impacted. Um, like that's, yeah. that's truly what would have happened. Yeah. What was the sense of purpose that got you to stay alive through the 2018 era? Was it the stuff you're talking about? Did you and your co-founder have like a crystallized uh, like purpose statement or like, like how did that work? Yeah. I mean, we, at, at that moment, it's because we actually had a vision for a new product, which is now being tested with a lot of our users um, that we're really excited about. And so fundamentally, I mean, we had five years with the company at that point, four years, and we just realized what was inhibiting some of our growth? How could we tweak the product to accelerate that? And so even though we didn't have the resources to work on it with you know, a, a lot of time and energy from the team, uh, we said, this really gives our company a shot to scale and we believe in it. And so same thing, like I said, you got 30 minutes, you got three hours. It's like, what's most important truly is like they say, just stay alive, keep going. Like if you love yeah. what you're doing, just stay alive, keep going. And so that's where we're at. We're like, let's just, let's keep this alive. Let's keep it going. Even if it's going slow, I was still doing it, right? It was like, still, I got to connect with people through, hey, we're doing this thing. It's still going. Like on the surface, no one knows that how much it's struggling, right? They just see the website. They see the final videos and the press. And 
Um, but yeah, that was it, is that we had a vision for what could change and it was worth it for us to keep it going in whatever capacity we could do that. I was going to ask if you abandoned the product, like it, you, because the way it sounded, you were saying like you were working on this product, but oh, pandemic. And now everybody, now there's all this demand for, for what we were selling. So this is a product that you're into. How much can you say about it? Like what, what were you working on? Yeah. So basically what the, the innovation is, is that we've always been a many to one product, right? So if it's Timmy's birthday, you're going to get a video from 30 people all saying happy birthday to you, where what we're doing now is really kind of shifting into this direction of becoming a hallmark for the digital age of what does it look like to create meaningful video and digital greetings and gift experiences for people. So now if it's your friend's birthday, you just get a ping and it says like, hey, tell X why you love them. Tell X your favorite memory from this past year, add a greeting or a gift card right on top of that. So what we're doing is moving from the menu to one model to the one-to-one model additionally. And so what this does is just liberates a lot more frequency of use on the platform. Yeah, I think that's super important. It's very hard for people to do the relational maintenance that it takes to actually have relationships. And it's like, it's so simple what the relational maintenance is. It's like every once in a while, a call, every once in a while, a text. And yet for some reason, especially for people like me, I'm very front end. Like I can just jive with somebody very quickly. I can do, I can do all the early stuff of a relationship. Like I can leave a person feeling like they got a really good impression of me. That all comes naturally to me. The relationship building that's supposed to happen afterwards, that does not come naturally to me. And I'll just like, it's like the person just fades from existence in my mind. And it's not that I want that to happen. That's just what happens naturally. Yeah, there's, there's, there's companies that do it. They call them like relational CRMs and like personal CRMs. And like, it's just, it's hard to do that. But honestly, like what's important now is there are companies like us who are thinking about these problems and making it easier to keep in touch in meaningful ways, because, you know, this, it's becoming a problem that's not just like, uh, oh, bummer, people are lonely. It's a legitimate health crisis. You know, it's yeah. uh, being lonely is just like impacting our, our health, our happiness, our well-being, our, uh, our well-being at work. And so, yeah, they're going to start to see more and more solutions about people realizing that tech for the most part is, is uh, impairing our ability to connect, but actually with some intentionality and care, it can do the opposite and really bring us together. Yeah. Andrew, I've got two for fun questions before you go. So the first one is, I'm a kid's book author. I believe part of leaving a legacy means reaching kids. What's a topic or idea you would make a kid's book about if you could? Hmm. Yeah, I think what I would do is, huh, that's a great question. There's so many and I will do it. Um, So I'm writing a book right now. it's called social flow and it's all about how to create flow states with people this very tangible framework and so i think that i would again want to speak to where i struggled as a young person and i would really want to speak about confidence and what what is confidence how is it created and i've synthesized this modality called social flow which is based around four questions and so what i would really love to do for children at a young age is to help them to really define for themselves, what is confidence? Like, it's really easy to get in the trap of trying to be cool, but what do you think is cool? And how can you be cool? Because you control doing the things that you're cool. You don't control how you're perceived. So to give young people a really accessible framework of how to feel confident and show up with people uh, would be something that I would find deeply meaningful. What do you wish that your kid self would have understood about confidence that, that you didn't grasp back then? Mm. 
is great question to me. Um, what do I wish that I grasp? I really want to get this one right. I would say that um, looking for validation externally will never get you to the place of feeling like you are enough. Is that the second that we start to externally reference ourselves to say like, I need this person to like me. I need this person to find me attractive. I need this person to think that I'm successful. That the most important aspect of building confidence is truly about liking ourselves and learning how to tell the truth. And so rather than doing things that are validation sinking, looking at how can I like myself in situations and creating simple pathways for us to do that. So it's really this shift of external to internal. Stop trying to get other people to like me. How can I shift my attention onto liking myself? And if I do that, it will be so much easier to just show up and to start getting the validation that I so deeply want. But it's that shift of external to internal. The, the challenge of helping kids to understand that, I think is really cool to think about. Um, what do you feel like the impact of that would be? Like if kids in mass were starting to grasp that idea? I think it would be uh, more authenticity, more connection. I think that um, less anxiety, honestly. It's um, people so deeply want to belong. It's like, you think about it biologically. I learned this from my therapist that around the age of 13, kids stop to identify themselves primarily through their parental relationships and they start to define themselves through their social relationships. And so how they are perceived by their community is so vital to their self-concept. And so we start to over-rotate onto what other people think of us in that age. And so I think that um, what would be really important there is just to alleviate some of the anxiety that I think we all experience when we look back to middle school and high school of yeah. so deeply wanting to belong, of yep. not knowing who we are. And so to provide people with the framework of like acknowledging that anxiety and that insecurity, really sharing that like, hey, everyone's going through this, right? Like, how do you normalize that feeling of like, everyone's insecure, like no one knows who they are. <laughs> and yeah. like, and then giving them like what I, what I really like to specialize in is like practical frameworks of like, here's how you actually start to say like, well, who am I? How do I want to be? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Okay. My last for fun question for you, Andrew, what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? What do I suck at? I really, what do I suck at? I suck at DJing and I'm going to be okay. really good at it. I have great taste in music. I just, it's funny to like toot my own horn like that, but I do. I play, I make <laughs> epic playlists. And I just got taught to DJ last year by one of my friends. And so I suck right now. And I'm so excited to get really good at it because sharing music is truly like a love language for me. And okay. to be able to master that is something that I'm really excited about. Amazing. Andrew, this has been a really fun conversation. Uh, where are you most active that you would want listeners to connect with you? Yeah, you know, uh, Instagram is where I tend to share a lot of my content. Uh, I've also got a medium where I do a lot of longer form stuff, but all of that is either Instagram, 
forward slash uh, it's Andrew Horn, ITS, and then my name, Andrew Horn. I've got a website, easy to Google me there. Uh, but yeah, easiest place is just on the socials, on Instagram and on Medium. And then go to tribute.co. Uh, we've got a special running for 50% off for two weeks this month, which is exciting. But if you got anyone you love, birthday, wedding, anniversary, um, if you have anything nice to say, um, there's no reason to leave that inside. It's just like, give it a voice, especially parents who have birthdays coming up. Um, yeah, make sure they know how loved they are, how much you value them. And uh, we'd love to help with tribute. Agreed. Awesome. Okay, Andrew, thank you so much for being on. This has been an awesome conversation. All right, Timmy. Thanks for having me, brother.